Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us, any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, uh, worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Well, good morning. I also want to welcome you here to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Excited to be together this weekend. Welcome to everyone who's here on the Modesto campus. And also welcome to everyone who's joining us live right now on our online campus. We're really excited to be together. If it is your first time at Big Valley Grace Community Church, we're glad you're here. Welcome. We hope that today is an incredible experience for you. Yeah, absolutely. And it is our desire that you would leave with hope today. Hope in Jesus Christ and him alone. Hope, true hope that will never fail you, no matter what happens in your life, that you would have certainty that you have hope in Jesus. Today we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. If you wanna take your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter one. Thank you, my friend. If you don't have a Bible, you can receive a Bible for free. Right after the gathering, we have a room right here called the altar room. It's a room that we pray for people in right after the gathering. You can come to that room. We have a Bible. We wanna give it to you as a gift. We want everyone to be able to have a copy of the word of God for themselves. But we're gonna be looking in Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's okay because all the verses are gonna be on the screen. And so you're gonna be able to follow along just fine right on the screen. Well, before we get into our main text in Matthew, I wanna share with you a verse that describes a situation some people find themselves in. This is a circumstance people can experience. And it goes like this in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Grieve as others do who have no hope. Grieve as others do who have no hope. When we look at that word grieve, we think of grief. And often when we think of grief, we think first of when someone dies. And that is a moment that we experience grief. We experience grief in other moments also, in moments where there is loss. When loss is experienced, grief often follows. And loss can come from a number of reasons. There can be loss because of health. You may be experiencing loss right now because of health. And because your health has failed or someone you love, their health has failed, it has caused you to feel loss and you're working through grief right now because of that. We can experience loss because of relationship. Where relationship was once thriving and relationship felt like gain, and where relationship has now failed and is broken and now feels like loss. And because that relationship or relationships feel as loss, you may be experiencing grief right now. We can experience loss in change. And it's not the way things used to be. In whatever category, we're thinking of right now. And whether it's in our family, or it's in our work, or it's in relationships, or it's in our finances, or it's in the master plan we've laid out for our own lives, whatever the change is that we're experiencing, change can feel like loss. And in change, that loss can lead us to grieve over the change that we're experiencing. And all of those examples, 
They all have something in common, and that is pain. Pain. And I don't know what your example might be today, but you might be experiencing pain. You might be experiencing change. You might be experiencing change in a relationship. You might be experiencing loss. You might be experiencing grief. You might have actually lost somebody who has died that you love, and you are actually grieving through that kind of loss, the death of someone that you love. Grief is real. And what this verse says is that grieve as others do. In other words, everyone grieves to some degree. Grief is not something people who are dead experience. Grief is something people who are alive experience. Grief is really an experience of the living. And grief, as, as others do, this is common, but it describes a certain category of people who are experiencing what is common, and that is grief. And this category is a group who has no hope. And that is total desperation. To grieve as others do and to experience that grief without having any hope is total desperation. When our hope is placed in something that fails, and because our hope has been placed in something that fails, when that something fails, we grieve with no hope. And that doesn't have to be true for you. And the goal of our time together is to call you into something that will not fail. And that is assurance and faith and confidence in Jesus Christ and him alone, our hope that never fails. And by the power of God, that God would powerfully call you to place your hope in him today. There's loss in the story of Christmas. The true historical account of the coming of Jesus Christ to planet Earth has loss in it. It has pain in it. And we're gonna look at that in our text, Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 23. Beginning in verse 18, it says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother had been, his mother Mary had been betrothed. And that word betrothed is not a word we use. Um, the best way to explain it, I think, would be it is, a, it is a fully committed engagement, like what we would consider engagement to be married, but it's so fully committed engagement that it really guaranteed the end result of marriage. So we may have experienced others or ourselves coming into an engagement and coming out of an engagement. That's not how they looked at this. A betrothal was really an engagement with the guaranteed result of marriage. It was very serious, and we'll see that as it goes on. Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found. In other words, before they were married, before they came together relationally, intimately, before they came together as a married couple, she was found. And it'll explain what she was found with here in the next phrase. But in another gospel, an angel comes to Mary, a young woman, and tells Mary, you have found favor with God. Now, what that means is God had found her and God had brought his favor to her. And so in this moment, she was found, yes, she was found by God. And when God found her in this moment, God had brought his favor to her. And what was she found with? She was found to be with child. Uh-oh. If I'm Joseph in this moment, and I'm hearing that the young woman I'm betrothed to be married to has been found with child, and I know I was not present, I've got problems. I've got pain, and I've got loss and I've got brokenness. I'm feeling brokenness, maybe I'm feeling loyalty brokenness, maybe I'm feeling betrayal, but the story doesn't stop there. It says, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and so we now have a clue of what's happening here, that this is actually a work of the Holy Spirit of God, that the Most High God, Creator God, is doing a work, and He is doing a great work in the life of Mary, and the great work he's doing in the life of Mary is impacting greatly the life of Joseph. And isn't it interesting 
that right here is a picture of creator God, most high working, and yet right in the middle of the place that creator God, most high is working, the people he is working with, they're experiencing trouble. They're experiencing loss. Right in the middle of him showing up. Right in the middle of the work that he's doing. In verse 19, it says, and her husband, and you can see here, they're betrothed, but it's calling him her husband because this was seen legally. They were not married yet, but you know, the law saw it as moving that direction. It says, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man, and we learn a lot about who, who he is in this moment. What type of person is he in this moment? It says he's a just man. That's a big statement. So everything we read now after about Joseph, we have to put it through the filter that he is a just man. And it might be in this moment, a great question to be asked would be, why is it that something that seems like injustice would be happening to a just man? Maybe you've asked a question like that. Why would it seem like something that's injustice, he's experiencing loss, he's experiencing brokenness and something that should be hope-filled, and a just man is going through this? Why would that be? It would be reasonable to ask that question. And it says a just man, he was unwilling. He was unwilling. Because the fact that he is a just man, he's gonna filter his actions and what he does next through the fact that he's a just man. And so it says that that justice, it leads to him being unwilling. Unwilling to do what? Unwilling to put her to shame. Why shame? Well, the scenario is a little sketchy. And in that culture, it was way more sketchy than the culture we live in. And in that culture, shame would have been what people would have wanted. They would have wanted to actually bring shame into the situation. They would have wanted to welcome shame into the situation as a due punishment for what was seen as a crime. And it says, because he was a just man, he was unwilling to put her to shame, and so he resolved to divorce. And you go, ooh, that's tough. Man, that hurts, that D word. That's a rough one. He resolved to divorce, and this is really showing how this betrothal was recognized legally. He resolved to divorce her how? Her quietly, quietly. And this, this term, quietly, really, it's proof of how much he loved her. He didn't want to bring her shame. This wasn't his plan. This is the woman that he loves. And he wants to do it quietly. You know, this, this statement, it's such a short statement. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. What a small sentence but it represents such huge pain. It's amazing how words that are very small represent massive amounts of pain. Words like death. Words like stage four. Words like transitioned. Words like disease. Words like failed. Such small words and they bring so much pain with them. And this is such a short sentence, but it, it represents huge pain, huge pain. It says in verse 20, as he considered these things, yeah, I think I would be too. I'm, I'm imagining he's trying to process through all of this, right? The emotions, we don't have his questions listed, but if he's considering things, if I'm considering things, I'm imagining I'm full of questions. And we don't have his questions in this passage, but I'm guessing there's a lot of unrecorded questions. It says, as he considered these things, behold, an angel, and an angel is a messenger. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So now he's asleep, and God sends an angel to appear to him in a dream. And the angel says this, Joseph, son of David, and the reference to David there is to Israel's greatest king, and it's calling Joseph a part of the royal line of King David's family, and we know from the other Gospels that Mary is also. And so these two young people, they're, they're actually a part of a, a royal line. They're like from nowhere, nothing town, but they're a part of the royal line, just these two young people. 
He says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. And anytime God shows up in the passage and says, do not fear, it's because the people are terrified. And he is terrified. And what is he terrified about? He's terrified about the woman he loves. That's what he's afraid of. He's afraid of what's happening with the woman that he loves. And what is the message? Do not fear to do what? To take her as your wife, to take Mary. The angel is saying, you are afraid of her, the very woman you love, but do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And then the angel gives him the clue to it all. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's the key of truth that unlocks the entire story. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is a miraculous event. Mary was told that the Holy Spirit was gonna come upon her and that she would conceive, that the power of the Most High God would rest on her, that the son that she would bear would be the son of the Most High, that he would sit on the throne of his father David, referencing to King David. This is a moment where Joseph needed faith to trust and believe that what he was hearing from the angel of God was true. To trust that this was the truth, that this was actually a miraculous work of God. The angel goes on, she will bear a son, you will call his name Jesus, really a very specific prophecy about this is what's gonna happen, it's gonna be a son, you're gonna call him Jesus. And what about this Jesus? He will save his people from their sins to be the savior of sin. And that right there is the most important piece of information regarding the whole thing. He was just led in on the most important fact. This is about salvation. Because in this moment, Joseph learns that this story is bigger than Joseph. This story is bigger than Mary. This story is bigger than their ideal betrothal. This story is bigger than his personal justice. This story is bigger than his personal plans. And they are experiencing great trouble in this story. They are experiencing struggle and they are experiencing loss by being a part of a larger story that God was providing to save his people from their sins. God is showing up, and in the middle of God showing up, they're experiencing loss, because it's not all about them. God is doing something bigger than them. And when we walk through grief, and we walk through loss, and we walk through pain of whatever sort, if all we can see is ourselves, we get lost in it. But when we can understand that God is working out a bigger story and it's not all about us, but it's about him, it gives us perspective to what God is doing because this is how God in this story is choosing to bring salvation for the very people who are experiencing trouble in how he's doing it. In verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Verse 23, behold the virgin, and virgin literally means a young woman who had not been with a man. She shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God is showing up in this situation. God is present in this situation, and yet the characters in the story might be feeling like they've never been further away from God because of the disruption of God showing up. God with us. Wow. We have the advantage of looking back on the story right now and seeing the whole thing written out. They're walking through it and they're experiencing pain right in the middle of it, loss right in the middle of it. As God is with us. Incredible. It's amazing how perspective helps. You know, our team, to help us relate to the story, has put together a short film to illustrate this true historical account. And so let's enjoy this short film right now. Uh, uh. 
Get out of my way, friend, before I do something we both regret. Joseph. I said, get out of my way. I won't believe anything until I hear the state from her face to face. Joseph. It doesn't matter what you believe. The results are going to be the same, no matter how it happened. Her father sent me to tell you, and that's that. What do you mean? Well, think about it, and you tell me. Besides Rabbi Benjamin, you're the most faithful follower and keeper of Torah that I know. I only see one option. You have to give her a writ of divorcement. This couldn't be happening. Really, the only thing you have to decide is how. You can bring her before the local Sanhedrin and accuse her publicly, and everyone will know what she's done. Or... I can give it to her privately. Will you be my witness? If rumors persist, she may end up in court regardless. And of course, you lose the bride price either way. That's the least of my worries, Caleb. What am I going to tell my father, my mother? I can't believe I'm having this conversation. It is speak to her, not you. You couldn't if you tried, my friend. Why? She's gone. What? Where? Judea. She said her kinswoman, old man Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, is with child. <laughs> that was part of the message from the... Angel. The message from the angel. Yes, well, about that, Joseph. I know that you are a craftsman and didn't go further in your studies. Not by choice. Yes, well, but you've always been, you know. Caleb, spit it out. I'm tired. Yes, well, you're a craftsman. Well, we've established that. I remember growing up, the kids in the neighborhood would always give you a hard time about being so religious. We're all religious, Caleb. We're Jews. Yes, well, but you've always been, you know, extra-religious. Oh. Yeah, that's me. Always say an extra prayer. Always say an extra blessing. Shut the shop early so as to be extra careful not to violate Sabbath. Praise be you, Lord. Always listen to my Father. Whose glory gives light to the entire world. <laughs> and be extra careful about the girl I marry. Joseph, no one could have seen this coming or been prepared for it. No. Maybe not. And just so you know, Caleb, it wasn't just the other kids. All right, yes. It was just me. I always gave you a hard time. Always ready for a laugh, wasn't I? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Don't make your side split. I've lost count how many times I played it all out in my mind. I'm minding my own business in the kitchen, talking to one of my sisters, and my father comes in, and he looks at me. And I know, Caleb, I know he's done inspecting. And he approves of the room that I spent the best part of the year adding on to his house. And he has come to give me his blessing. And it's time to go out and blow the shofar and go and get my bride. Hysterical, right?
No, it isn't. Listen, you are well studied, faithful. Many would even say righteous. Do you think it might actually be possible that... That the woman that I'm pledged to marry isn't crazy. Or isn't a liar. No. Caleb, my friend. For once, you're right. Mary. Mary. I'm between what they say. A hard place humiliating her father and a rock humiliating mine. Only two doors to walk through. And what wouldn't I give for a third? even right in the midst of our loss. Real hope is available. Real hope is available even right in the middle of what seems like all is loss. And we see a glimpse of this in Joseph in the last two verses of our passage. In verse 24, it says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. There are two groups of people. One group grieves as others do who have no hope. In other words, they're grieving, but they're grieving without God. And because they're grieving without God, they have no hope. But there's another group and it's a group who grieves, but they grieve with God. And because they grieve and they experience loss with God, they have hope in the middle of grief and they have hope in the middle of loss because we do not grieve as others do who have no hope. We grieve differently. We grieve with hope in Jesus Christ. And Jesus provides us with real hope. And we wanna look at two ways. Two ways that Jesus provides us with real hope. In Titus chapter 2, verse 13, it describes Jesus in this way. He is our blessed hope. That's who he is. He's our blessed hope. Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is who our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, is. He is our blessed hope. And so there's not any reason for us to grieve as others do who have no hope. But there is every invitation for us to come to our blessed hope and that Jesus would be our blessed hope. You do not have to live with loss without hope any further. You can live with hope no matter how great the grief and how great the loss is that you are walking through or you have walked through. Jesus can be your hope right now. Way number one is hope now. Jesus provides us with real hope now. And Jesus has called you to live with hope 
now. You know, your circumstances can change. There is nothing that is a guarantee about your circumstances. And if your hope is based on anything that has to do with your circumstances, you do not have hope. You have an illusion of hope. Do not wait to seek hope. Establish and confirm hope now because Jesus has called you to live with hope now. And true hope is based on Jesus and the fact that Jesus provides salvation from our sin. True hope is salvation in Jesus Christ from our sin. That is what true hope is. It's what true hope looks like. It is salvation from our sin. In Titus chapter two, in verse 11, it says, for the grace of God has appeared. For the grace. Grace is receiving a gift that we do not deserve. And this grace of God, it's God giving us a gift that we do not deserve. And when God shows his power, he's displaying grace. God's displaying his power in this way to give us a gift that we don't deserve. And how does his power show up? It says he has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. It's how God has desired to display his power towards us by giving us salvation when we didn't deserve it. God's power showing up. How does God show his power? God shows his power with love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him, in that one and only son, would not perish from their sin, but they would have everlasting life. For God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son. Who's his one and only son? It is the same son, it is the same child that was promised to be conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit to a virgin named Mary. It is the same son who grew up and lived a absolutely perfect life. And it is the same son who went to the cross, we call that Good Friday, to die on the cross for my sin, for your sin, and for the sin of the entire world. That son, it's that same son. That same son who died on the cross was also the son who was buried, like really buried, like dead buried, like in a tomb buried. But God didn't leave him buried because three days later, he resurrected that son to new life. That same son was raised to new life. We call that Resurrection Sunday or Easter. That same son, after being resurrected to new life, God raised to glory in heaven and sits on the throne of heaven, ruling and reigning on that eternal throne of David that was a promise to that great king. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that son, so that you might believe in that son and that as you believe in that son, you might not perish from your sin because that son has provided you with salvation from your sin that you might have eternal life because of that son. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Jesus is the rescue mission. Jesus is the rescue mission to rescue us from our sin. And if Jesus is the rescue mission to rescue us from our sin, let's not go headlong back into sin. That's the point of this passage. If Jesus has rescued us from sin, let's no longer live like we have total desperation, like we would grieve as others do who have no hope. There's no point to live like that if Jesus is the solution and he's the solution for you right now. He's the savior for you right now. We do not grieve as others do who have no hope. We grieve quite differently because we've been rescued and rescued by Jesus Christ from our sin. The goal is that God's power would work so mightily right now that God would call you to hope in Jesus Christ. That God would call you to place your faith 
in Jesus Christ as both God and as Savior of your sin. That God would allow you to have the gift of faith that you would believe in that son conceived of the Holy Spirit to a virgin Mary who lived a perfect life and died on the cross for you, who was buried dead, dead in a tomb and who was resurrected to life, life three days later and after being resurrected would raise to the throne of heaven and sits right now ruling and reigning that God would bring you to faith in that Jesus. That's the goal, that God's power would work mightily in your life that you might have hope and hope in Jesus Christ. Way number one is that we would have hope now. Way number two is that we would have hope forever. We need an eternity plan, and Jesus is the eternity plan, and Jesus has prepared an inheritance for you to live with hope forever. True hope is salvation from sin, because eternal punishment for sin is hell, and hell is the opposite of hope. Our passage continues, Titus chapter two, verses 13 and 14. Waiting for our blessed hope. So not only do we have hope now, but we're waiting for more hope to come. Waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing, Jesus has promised to return, to come back for us. He has given us hope that he will return for us. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory, and glory is referring to the heavenly glory that Jesus is gonna be returning for us from heaven, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming back. This Jesus who gave himself, how did he give himself? He gave himself on the cross. Jesus experienced great loss on our behalf on the cross so that we might be able to experience great gain as he took the punishment for our sin and the punishment for our pain. The greatest exchange that has ever taken place in history. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us, in other words, to bring us back into his ownership, to redeem us from all lawlessness, sin, to purify us from sin, for himself a people for his own possession, that we would belong to him who are zealous for good works, who love him. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that as you would believe in Jesus, his one and only son, that you would not perish for your sin, but that you would have everlasting life. We wanna see God powerfully draw you into hope in Jesus Christ. The future is full of hope. God has given us a picture of a future full of hope. In Revelation chapter 21, verses one through five, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, just like Mary was preparing as a bride, adorned for her husband, just like Joseph was preparing as a husband. And a loud, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And what happens in that moment? He's gonna wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. I am so looking forward to hearing those words. Because it's when Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. It's at that moment when all things are new that loss finally ends in Jesus. Loss. There is an end to loss. And the end to loss is when Jesus makes all things new. Loss ends in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is a winner and Jesus Christ is victory and Jesus Christ is our victory. And he is going to say, behold, I am making all things new. And in that moment, loss is done. 
So my question is, are you ready to live full of hope? The Bible calls Jesus with this title in 1 Timothy 1.1, Christ Jesus our hope. That's his name. He's Christ Jesus our hope. That's his title. He's Christ Jesus our hope. Hope has a name. And the name of hope is Jesus. Jesus is hope. It's who he is. Hope is not a circumstance. Hope is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. So the question is, are you ready to have that verse look like this for you? And that would be, Christ Jesus, my hope. That today would be the day that you would be able to, with full confidence and assurance, call Christ Jesus my hope. There's two groups of people I want to talk to. The first group, you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never placed your hope in Jesus Christ. And you know right now you need to place your hope in Jesus Christ in fact, God knows right now that you need to place your hope in Jesus Christ. You know you need to place your hope in Jesus Christ, and God knows you need to hope, place your hope in Jesus Christ, but none of us know it. And I'm gonna ask you to do something bold for a God who has loved you boldly. If you are here and you've never placed your hope in Jesus Christ, but you know you need to place your hope in Jesus Christ right now, God knows you need to place your hope in Jesus Christ right now. By the power of God working in your life and drawing you to himself, his power, not your power, by his power, I would ask, why don't you stand right now and we'll pray for you right now. You know you need hope in Jesus Christ and God knows you need hope in Jesus Christ. Why don't you boldly stand? God has boldly loved you. Why don't you stand right now and we will pray for you. Who is here and you know you need hope? Stand up right there. Awesome. Awesome. Right there. Awesome. Very cool. Who else? You're here and you know you need hope in Jesus and God knows you need hope in Jesus. Right there. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. That's great. Who else? It's God's power working, not your power working. And if God is calling you to himself, why don't you let God's power be working in your life? Stand up and allow us to pray for you. Anyone else? Okay, right there. Awesome. Very cool. That's great. All right, we have some who are standing. I wanna pray for those who are standing, okay? Father God, right here, very publicly, you're at work. And God, we wanna say thank you for working in all of these people's lives. You're powerfully working, you're drawing them to yourself. Your power is at work in their life right now and we're getting all blessed to see it. And God, we pray for them that you would help them right where they are. Whatever it is that they're going through, God, we're asking you to meet them right where they are. And as they are very publicly right now standing, God, we're asking that you would meet them right where they are and you would help them place their faith in you that you would help them take the steps to place their faith in you, to place their trust in you, in Jesus, who has died on the cross for them, that they might trust in Jesus Christ and him alone as their God and as their savior. In fact, if you're standing right now, my encouragement would be that you would just tell God right now, I am hoping in Jesus Christ, that you would just tell him that. Just say that to him. God, I am hoping in Jesus Christ. I'm hoping in Jesus Christ, who is my God, and I'm hoping in Jesus Christ, who is my Savior. And so God, thank you for the good thing you're doing right here in these people's lives. Continue the good thing that you're doing. Keep working in their life. Keep drawing them to, to you. Keep helping them take the steps to follow you. And we pray blessing over them right now in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our hope. And all God's family said, amen, amen, awesome. Hey, let's praise God for what he's doing right here. That's awesome.
That is so great. Awesome. God, powerfully working. Second group I want to talk to is you've previously placed your hope in Jesus Christ, but you're really struggling. You've experienced loss. You've experienced grief. You've experienced pain. From whatever reason, maybe because of your own choices, maybe because of the choices of someone else, maybe because of the circumstances that life has brought, but you've previously placed your hope in Jesus Christ, but today's the day you really need to renew your hope in Jesus. And I want you to know, if that describes you, this is a safe place, and we wanna encourage you to stand that we might be able to pray for you right now. And so if that is you, I wanna encourage you to stand and allow your church family to be praying for you. You've previously placed your hope in Jesus, but today's the day you need to renew your hope in Jesus Christ. Is there anyone here, this is a safe place, is there anyone here who needs us to pray for them right now? Awesome, awesome man, right there, cool. That's great, right there, that's great. Who else? Awesome, right there. Anyone else? You've previously placed your hope in Jesus, but today's the day you really need to renew your hope in him. Great, that's great. Okay, anyone else? All right, well, we wanna pray for those who are asking for prayer right now. Father God, thank you for these who are standing. And God, would today be a great day for you to reaffirm to them how much you love them. God, would this be a great day for you to reaffirm your grace and your mercy in their lives, that their trust in Jesus Christ will not fail, and that they can continue to have confidence in Jesus Christ in him alone. And so God, we're asking for your blessing to rest on every one of those who are standing and asking for you to renew their hope in you. And God, would you meet them right where they are, no matter what's happening in their life, would you meet them right where they are? And if you're standing right now, my encouragement to you would be to tell God, I am hoping in Jesus Christ, that you would tell him that right now. You tell God, I am hoping in Jesus Christ. I am hoping in Jesus Christ as my God. I am hoping in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Father, Lord, thank you for the good work you're doing right here. And thank you, Lord, that you take such good care of us and that you love us so much that you never give up on us and you always continue to draw us to yourself. Lord, thank you. You're amazing. And so, Lord, we love you and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who's our hope and all God's family said. Amen. Hey, let's thank God for what he's doing right here. It's awesome. It's awesome. If you're responding to hope in Jesus Christ today, I wanna give you three very, very practical ways that we would be able to follow up with you. First of all, you could use your cell phone. You could text HOPE to 833-577-1604. You could simply just text the word HOPE to 833-577-1604. That's for anyone on the Modesto campus and anyone who's on the online campus as well. We would love to follow up with you. We also, on the Modesto campus, we have these paper connect cards. They're located in the seat pocket in front of you. And you could follow up with us by filling this card out. And on the back, at the top, it says, my decision today is to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if that's you, you could check that box. And we would love to follow up with you. The next box says to reaffirm and renew my relationship with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, you could check that box and we would love to follow up with you. You can take these cards, you can fill them out and you can place them in any of the black boxes that are at every exit here on the Modesto campus. On the online campus, we also have an online connect card and you could utilize that as well on the online campus. The point is we wanna walk with you. We wanna encourage you. The third way is right after our gathering, right here, we've got two doors. 
with the room that says the altar room. And on the other side of those two doors, we decided to put two more doors. And so on the other side of the two doors is two more doors. And on the other side of those two doors is just a room we pray for people in. And we have a team that is ready for you. We have a team that's ready to pray for you. And if you are placing your hope in Jesus Christ, we would encourage you to come to that room and allow us to pray for you personally. In fact, if you brought people with you, we'd encourage you to bring them all. Bring the group. If you came by yourself, you'll find a group there. Come, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to give you a Bible. We would love to help you. So those three ways, the whole point is we wanna walk with you in hope. Whether you text or you use the Connect card or you come and allow us to pray for you in person, we wanna encourage you in hope today. Let's stand together. We're gonna... We're gonna end our time by singing about our hope in Jesus Christ, and I wanna share with you this verse. It's Philippians chapter three, verse eight. And it says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. What does that mean? Well, what it means is we're not just counting the loss as loss. We're also counting the good stuff as loss. We're counting it all as loss. Well, how could we count the good stuff as loss? Well, because when you compare it to the best stuff, the good stuff seems like loss. And the best stuff, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. So we count everything as loss in comparison to that which is highest and best, and that is to know Jesus and to know Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. Father God, Lord, as we sing to you, God, would this be a great time for us to declare our hope in Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for your power at work. It is none of us and none of our power that is working. It is your power that is at work. And God, we exalt Christ and we are thankful for how you're working. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our hope and all God's family said, amen. Amen.